0: your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore.
1: Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up.
0: That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to DIPSEA justbreakup slash just slash just Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra
1: DeMolder, And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week we're going to tackle topics like when love gets lost, hating our bodies, Vulnerability and calling the whole thing off. But first, we just want to give our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't have any skills or credentials to be doing this. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no training. Like I don't have like a certificate. No. in giving advice.
1: I wish that I could get one though. I know. And then anytime my friends came to me, I'd be like, "You have to listen to me. I've got a certificate." And
0: it's framed in the wall like <laughs> yeah. your college diploma.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, a certificate too. That's
1: such a weird <laughs> yeah. word. Well, only a two-year degree. don't We don't, yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't yeah. need to go for the full. You would be
0: like, I have a certificate, and I'd be like, I have a gold star <laughs> on my fridge. Uh, yeah. This is all to say that we are not professional. Please take our advice as you see fit. We're just here to offer a humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Welcome to episode 30 friggin' nine. 39. 39. That's great. I don't know why I said it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Party. Yeah, are we we going to celebrate hitting 40?
1: No. (laughs) No. Why would we celebrate that?
0: <laughs> I don't know, Samuel. I don't know. Um, do you 50, know what it sure. is?
1: 100? What?
0: No. Do you know what is... I don't. That was a terrible <laughs> question. Do you know what is going to happen soon? What? Our freaking birthday. That's right. Just to remind the <laughs> listeners at home.
1: In case you didn't know. In case you haven't heard us talk about it multiple times. Sam and I
0: are both Geminis. We were born two years apart on June 2nd, so we share a birthday. Yep. Soul sister, kind of thing. That's right. Um, and that's coming up.
1: It is very are you, soon.
0: Are you emotionally prepared for your 31st birthday?
1: Yeah, I'm prepared.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I too am prepared. Thanks for asking. <laughs> is
1: 33 your scary age?
0: No, 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 no. I, I already accidentally say I'm 33 constantly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into our check in topic. Our check in topic to, of to, for today is trust. 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 I don't know if we've ever actually talked about it as, like, a concept. I don't think so. Well, I was, like, driving on a long drive the other day, and I was thinking about trust and how it appears in my current and past relationships. And I had this, like, sort of revelation and... Keep in mind, like I am somebody who has had my trust broken Mm -hmm. repeatedly, so like I think I have as many people out there. I'm sure I have some like red flags, or like not a ton of trust issues. I tend to trust someone if they are trustworthy. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't have to be told multiple times or or reassured a lot. Um, But I do have fear more than than like mistrust. I think I have a lot Mm -hmm. of fear. Yep. Um and but I had this thought like on in the car the other day of the fact that um that to me trust isn't necessarily inherent like it's often in the, in my past relationships trust has been something that has been given if or granted if I was given proof of trustworthiness. Sure. And I even mean that in little tiny things like text messages, mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm home. I am not sleeping with someone else. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, But I had never really stopped t- to analyze that my, the way I hold my trust isn't inherent, like mm-hmm. love, like that you will inherently love someone because they are inherently worthy of love. Yeah. In the same way, my trust isn't inherent. Um, and I and I think I want it to be. Yeah. Does that make sense? How, what how, What is your relationship to trust like?
1: Um, well, they when when people talk about trust, there's like always like two different types of people, like the until people, so I will trust you until you've done something wrong, yeah. and once people, so I won't trust you or I will trust you once you do this.
0: Oh my God! You're did you make that up?
1: No, I didn't. Listen. <laughs> work in an office where we had an entire training for the whole organization on the speed of trust. I'm
0: sorry you have you had a training, which is to say that you were qualified.
1: <laughs> um, and I was the one that did the trainings. Wow.
0: Like I got trained
1: how to train on the speed of trust, Tell which me is more. like this like corporate white western focused idea about businesses operating at the speed of trust so you have to build trust within your organization and within your team to make yourself the most efficient and productive that you can because uh, when there's no trust then like then you are focusing on the poor quality of the relationships rather than the work
2: at yeah. hand. Yeah.
0: Um fascinating.
1: Yeah, it was fine.
0: <laughs> I, th- I think my, I think why I wanted to chat with you about trust um and five thousand strangers across the world um was because i um because i i think because of my past relationships particularly ones in which um trust was broken in a serious way multiple times and then i stayed with them and so trust became like a exchange of like um it was it was not long standing it was very temporary you know it was like um Here's a text message to prove where I am or that I'm like responding to you. Therefore, I like I give my trust to you for an hour or whatever. It's not like it's not so uh, such an equation like that. Mm -hmm. But looking back on that relationship is like I was constantly in a state of fear and anxiety that my trust would be broken. That I was in a vulnerable state that I started to physicalize trust as something given upon an, a small action and not an action like, oh, my God, I'm so trustworthy here. I'm proving to you that I'm trustworthy. But an action that proves that you are not not trustworthy. Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. But the, like the it, way it, you're describing it doesn't, to me, feel like trust.
0: Exactly. <laughs> like and, that
1: feels like. Yeah. The trust was gone. And then there had to be things this that proves that they weren't doing something wrong. Not yeah. that, that you could trust them because you didn't.
0: Yeah, And I they didn't. had to
1: text you to be like, yeah. I'm home. I'm not sleeping with someone else. Like yeah. That's not trust. That's just like yeah. a statement of fact. <laughs>
0: totally. And 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 moving forward in my life and into a new relationship, new intimacies, um, I 100% trust my new partner. I really do. Um, it's very inherent. um, She's just a very trustworthy person. Yeah. Um, but I find myself thinking about things going wrong and then um, like thinking like, okay, well, maybe that won't go wrong if she proves to me something like that. It does, like it, it becomes an exchange, like yeah. a bartering. And I really needed to like stop and pull over the car or like metaphorically pull yeah. over
2: okay. the car. I, like, really? I
0: didn't really. <laughs> symbolically pull over the car and think, I really don't want to move into this next chapter of my life. Thinking of trust as something that you barter or exchange, yeah. like like that, um, that's so touch and go and um, so volatile. But instead, I want to feel safe and, um, well, period. I just want to feel safe mm-hmm. so that I can trust without that exchange. Yeah. But the true head and heart work for me at this point is recognizing that I. I have to do that work then like I cannot I can't um, like the other night my girlfriend went out um, to uh, a party and I went to bed before she did. Mm -hmm. And um, in the morning all night i had terrible dreams Mm. um i had terrible dreams that that something horrible happened and the morning she texted me when she got home like she said she was gonna do and it Mm. was something sweet like hey i'm home love you talk to you tomorrow or whatever yeah and i remember feeling like i wanted her to affirm me that she didn't like cheat on me (laughs) yeah even though like there's no world in which she ever would um hypothetically and i realized that the true head and heart work is is recognizing that I was wildly triggered because Mm -hmm. that's what the last relationship was like. It was another long-distance relationship. It was another thing where I would go to bed first and wake up to a text message proving that they weren't sleeping with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I, so this whole thing was, this whole conversation of trust was really triggered because I realized that my trust wasn't inherent and I really wanted it to be. I wanted it to be like something that she didn't need to prove because she doesn't need... She has done nothing to not be trustworthy, yeah, can you speak a little bit more about the what is it when
1: <laughs> uh until <laughs> and once? yes, uh, yeah, so I would say that 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 you are actually an until person,
0: right, but I don't want to be
1: no that's a good thing is it because oh. it seems like you trust your girlfriend. But once something happens, then you won't trust her anymore. Like, well, that's an until person. That means that your trust I, is, what like, Absolutely, I, but I think
0: what I just want to highlight of that experience and why I'm having—why I needed to stop and reflect and do my own head and hard work is that I, like, know she didn't do anything, but I wanted to have a conversation with her anyway because I woke up feeling so sick to my stomach. Yeah. And, like, that's work I need to do. She doesn't— She's, she was, like, happy to affirm me and reassure me, mm-hmm. but, like, she shouldn't have to do that. That's, that's like, an unnecessary labor on her part.
1: Yeah, but it's a labor that she's willing to do.
0: Totally, but,
1: yes. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I, it's not—
0: I'm okay. With, I was totally fine with having that yeah. conversation, but I really want to—I just—I want to trust my partner because I think she's trustworthy. And how hard is it to, like, turn off the old, like, red flags in your brain, you yeah. know? Uh, yeah.
1: But that's—I mean— that's all of the stuff that we talk about of, like, the trauma that people have been through. Totally. Like, it's not—it's great that you have a partner that is willing to meet you and say, yeah, I'll text you because it's like, yeah. I want to text you in the morning right. anyway or, like, when I get home. So, like— I will help you through this thing because I know that it's like a trauma or it's triggering for you. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's the mark of a healthy relationship.
0: I think so too. I'm just, I'm just thinking into in the future, I don't want to have to feel better from something she gives me, like Mm. the affirmation that she gives me. I don't want to have that be my only, uh, like my only salve to this anxiousness. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to say, nope, Sierra, not this time, not this relationship. This is not the same relationship. I'm safe. I'm happy. I'm healthy. This is a wonderful person. And they would never betray me like that, you know?
1: Yeah. But I also think like being in a relationship means that you are putting yourself out there in a way that puts you and your heart in danger. And I think it's totally normal to be like, can you reassure me? Not, like, all the time, but, like, yeah. in this instance, that's really triggering for me. Like, I, like, Peter's work has been so bad lately that I get really anxious, like, around 2.30 when he gets off of school, because if I haven't heard from him. Yeah. And, like, that's, like, that is, on like, that anxiety is in me. It's, it has right. nothing to do with him. But, like, the act of calling him and, like, hearing his voice is, like, the thing that, like, puts me at ease. and I yeah. And I think that's just, like, that's because my heart is in... His heart, right? Yeah, totally. If he is hurting, that means that I am hurting, right? E -E Cummings, like, like that means that if he is hurting, I am hurting. If he is in, if he is in danger, then my heart is in danger. And I think it's totally normal and good to be like. So I need you to just reassure me that like we're we're both good in this moment. In the same way that I reassure him in other moments, like I think that I don't think that's a mark of distrust. I think it's a mark of like we're in this together, right? Like yeah. we are We are in this and I'm not just putting myself out here by myself.
0: Last question about trust. Yeah. Which one are you?
1: I am a, I'm an until, no, I'm not. I'm a once <laughs> person. I don't like, when I meet someone, I don't inherently trust them, but yeah. the threshold to get me to trust you is very low. Yeah. It's like, we need to have like a, like a conversation a heart, one-on-one yeah. and like connect yeah, in I've, some way. Yeah, I've
0: seen that with you, with other people that you, um... That you warm to them pretty easily. Yeah. But um, you're just not incredibly extroverted or, you no. know what I mean? Yeah, that totally makes sense. But I'm thinking once of like random trust, friends like, too. Oh, did I just gone. say friends? France. <laughs> France. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: no, I was just reading my horoscope and they were like, you hold grudges. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep. laughs> once your trust is lost, you hate that person. Maybe you should work on that.
0: <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'd be interested to hear, like, I think we could have a way longer conversation about trust. I think that just popped in my head of the idea of like, I don't know, is it trust if you need somebody to affirm you? Um, is trust inherent, all of those things. I just was like mulling around in my head. And so just break up listeners, I'm going to be holding myself accountable and trying to push myself into a space of of newness, of Mm -hmm. of new vulnerability and and self-soothing. That's what it is. For me, I came from such a fucking hot mess of a relationship in which I had to I had to ask for constant comfort because I was in a constant state of panic and fear that they were going to hurt me again. Yeah. Well, that's because
1: they betrayed your trust multiple Multiple times. Multiple (laughs) times.
0: And I stayed like a fool. Um, And... uh, And now I just, I want to learn how to self-soothe. I don't want to have to ask my very trustworthy, Mm -hmm. very loving and supporting girlfriend all the time. You know, and I don't, it's not even a huge thing. It's just come up like once, but anyway, trust. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into our letters. This first letter is from Brittany, who is writing to us from Austin, Texas. Brittany writes, Two weeks ago, my boyfriend of 2.5 years broke up with me in a conversation where I was expressing my needs for more validation from him and the need for him to prioritize me more. I'm 27 and he is 31. Out of the blue, he told me that he feels like we have no chemistry and we are not compatible and that he has been feeling this way since before I moved across the country to be with him a year and a half ago. We're talking Vermont to Texas, we fell in love in Vermont and made the decision to stay together. As he ventured across uh, to leave to to leave the Navy and start his undergraduate with his GI Bill for um, ten years of service. We successfully did the long-distance six-months thing, and then I left everything behind and moved here. It has been a whirlwind of support, love, passion, talking into the wee hours of the morning, and constant laughter. He called me baby during this time, has always been sweet and affectionate, and talked about our future children. Lately, it has felt like our honeymoon phase was over, though, and that we were plateauing. He hadn't been compromising and finding intentional time for our relationship. Our sex life was also dwindling. I tried to bring this up in a healthy conversation because I've always believed in the importance of communicating. He has never brought up issues with me before and never indicated that we were anything but right for each other. I was shocked when he said all of these heartless, cold things to me when I pushed him to tell me how he was feeling with a specific statement he, um, he said the week before, quote, I wonder if deep down I am stringing you along. He told me that he wasn't into it when we were physical, that he lost attraction for me, that he thinks we should be fighting more, that we aren't passionate enough. He said that he thinks that two CEO- CEOs can't date, meaning he thinks I'm too ambitious. I asked him to tell me what he wanted in a partner, and he couldn't tell me because he didn't know. He recently told me some significant trauma in his childhood past, and he's given me snippets of information over time about his struggle with depression and negative thoughts. He recently started taking antidepressants, but he swears it has not impacted his decision. I asked him if we could try to make it work, and he kept saying he knew we weren't right for each other all of those years. None of it makes sense. So, all that being said, how does someone grapple with the sudden loss of love, a best friend, a future with someone that you thought that you were so sure you knew and were madly in love with? How does someone deal with the thought that none of it was real and that you may never have the answers that make any sense? Wow. I know. Brittany.
1: That's a, that's a sad one.
0: <laughs> I know. I, okay, Brittany. The first thing I want to say um, is heartbreak is just awful.
1: It is. Yeah. It is
0: just awful. It's the worst. Um, when I think about the physical sensation of my last breakup, um, it is, it makes me nauseous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just want to send out a big... Uh, virtual hug to you right now because I know what your body and your heart and your soul are going through right now and it's just awful it's just awful
1: no there are studies that have been done that like the same parts of your brain that are triggered by heartbreak are also the same parts that are triggered by physical pain so it's like Heartbreak is literally physical pain in your body. That's how your brain is interpreting it. Yeah.
0: And add to the fact what Brittany is especially highlighting is the mental gymnastics we do trying to, like, traverse the insane landscape Mm -hmm. that is heartbreak because it's a huge canyon (laughs) there are no bridges (laughs) i mean maybe they're bridges but they're on fire you Uh know and they lead to nothing or they lead to like um that you it's the your brain on heartbreak Mm -hmm. is like the the detective gone mad trying to trace a serial killer with with like yeah. the the wall of maps and <laughs> with string. the strings. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're uh-huh. like, it's gonna make sense. It's <laughs> gotta make sense. And that's what you're doing right now, Brittany, is like you're trying to attack you're trying to connect all these yep. wires and, and strings and you you're trying to you're trying to figure out the path of how the fuck you got here. Right. And really unfortunately you're not gonna be able to f- look back on the past two and a half years and say that's the moment. Right. You're there's you're gonna want to to point to something tangible or in time and and I just unfortunately it's not gonna be like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you can point to a couple things later and I think Sam and I can highlight a couple things that that we see. But sweetie, like this is this is heartbreak and the biggest piece of advice I can give you is just the comfort of knowing you're not alone and that this is what it feels like to have your heart broken. Absolutely. Um, And it's awful. Uh, Let's unpack a couple of things that her partner said to her. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to save the best for last. (laughs) (laughs) But I uh, I do want to say some of the excuses that he's giving you are giving me some pretty big red flags about how short this is. End was yeah you know like it it's to me it's either like he's dealing with something that he's not sharing with you which is not your responsibility he yep. chose to not be with you don't go and try to fix his life to make things better nope. he needs to fix himself and then crawl back to you if that's ever going to work <laughs> just so you know um but it's just to me Brittany it sounds like he um wasn't in touch with his true feelings mm-hmm. um could. Could feel them subtly in in the background of his mind, yep. um, and then they all started spilling out because of one reason or another. Yep. Um, it sounds like it sounds like he has a really confusing understanding of love too, because Absolutely. love isn't fighting more. Love isn't passion, right? Um, love is communication and trust and growth and and building yep. a foundation together.
1: Yeah. And I think what is so hard about this uh, is just that now you have to look back at the last two and a half years and see it from a very different perspective. Because you thought that you were in this together, that you were making this future together, that you were going to get married and have the kids. And then to find out that for the last year and a half, he's been having these doubts. Like It's
2: really frustrating. And
1: it throws everything, like being in that situation just throws everything out of whack. You're like... Wait a minute! I thought that I was had like a very firm grasp on reality, and that, um, and that now all of this is like totally made up and it's fabricated. And it's, but I want what I want to say to you, Brittany, is that the reality that you were living was your reality, right? Right? And you can trust in the fact that that was what was real for you because right. that was what he was telling you. Right? Those were the things that he was saying to you. Right? And so it's not that you. Um, were disillusioned it's not that you were stupid it's not that you weren't picking up on all of the cues it's that he was telling you a story that wasn't true and you in your good loving trusting heart believed what he was telling you and 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 there's nothing wrong with that And maybe
0: it was true for x amount of years or x amount of time because you know it's possible for people to change their minds yeah and so i would add on to what sam is saying and and, and just to say, like, it was real until it was no longer real. Yeah. Right. Yep. And going back and rewriting history or trying to figure out when things went wrong. Um, that's just going to give you more turmoil. Yep. Like, you can just say to yourself what you know to be true, what you know to be real, which is that I love this person. I might still love this person.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he chose to leave me. Yep. And that is so heartbreaking. Yep. But that doesn't make any of my love less real. Right. Or less valid. Yep right it makes us feel embarrassed it makes us feel physically ill but i hope you can find solace in the fact that none of this was fake Mm -hmm. right you were there the whole time you were present the whole time yep um and i just don't want that to be taken away from you Mm -hmm. um i do want to say that his comment about two ceos can't date is a load of bullshit (laughs) um and a really weird, passive aggressive way to, to, I don't know, make you feel like self-conscious or like, I, 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 to me, I don't know what's going on in this guy's life, but all of these excuses like make me side. eye him a lot. Um, yeah. I, I mean, between you and I and 5,000 <laughs> strangers, um, I, I feel like he's got something going on. Like. On the side, yeah. another woman or a different plan or 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 right. he's grappling with something or his impression is I, I, I don't know. Like and don't get me wrong. We've all not been taught to communicate well. Right. Like it's hard to communicate well. It's hard to communicate things. It's hard to break up with people. Mm-hmm. But Brittany, I'm I just don't know where he's coming from. Yep. So uh, it's obvious that you wouldn't either as as this partner. You oh, know? Absolutely.
1: And honestly, at the end of the day, what he is going through, his excuses, his perception of the relationship doesn't matter right now. Right. Right. Like he chose to leave you and now we're left here with the repercussions of that. Right. And so why he chose the past two and a half years of his perspective of your relationship doesn't matter what matters is what you can take out of that relationship to make you feel good to make you uh learn to to help you in your own self-growth um and to be able to cherish the love that you had for him because that was real that was 100 percent real and now you get to say okay so here's the situation in front of me how do I move forward from this
0: um Eckhart Tolle the author of the the new earth okay (laughs) Oh my god! If it's New World, I'm going to be so embarrassed. New World, no, I think it's New Earth. Okay, Okay. I just got self-conscious because everybody rags on me for not (laughs) knowing the names of a James Bay song. Who the gives? Anyway, Um, Uh, uh, Eckhart Tolle talks about like um, getting. Like separating yourself and your ego and trying to be truly present. And um, I'd really suggest that book, whatever the title is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, he talks about the, the only way you can really allow yourself to heal is to acknowledge what's real and to stay in the present moment. Yep. Because what that would look like for you, Brittany, is to say, um, my partner left me. The man I loved left me. Yep. And I And I cannot go back. I cannot change him. I cannot change myself. I cannot mm-hmm. change the past, yep, right? Yep. But in this moment, I am whole, I'm safe, I'm hurting, and I am going to allow myself to heal. Mm-hmm. It's not about looking, oh, oh my God, who am I going to be without him right uh, Right now? or it's And it's not even about looking in the future about what you had or what you were promised, right? right? Yep. That is such a painful part of grieving is that we we think about like what, what we're going to miss. Right. Yep. But right now I just want you to think of who you are right now. You are whole and you're hurting and you're healing. Mm-hmm. And that is all okay. Yep. Allow yourself to grieve, allow yourself to be in this tender space. Um, and and allow yourself to not look for answers for just one day, yep. just one week. Don't look for answers. Just look for comfort in yourself. Give Absolutely. yourself comfort. Right.
1: Yeah, And that's, When after my dad died and I took a leave of absence from work, I was talking to my therapist about how I felt like I had to be constantly like work, like using this time in a way that was going to like I was going to emerge from this as a better person. And she like looked me square in the eyes and she said, Sam, this time is not about self-improvement. It's about self-maintenance.
2: And I was like, and that just like
1: reframed everything. And I want to say, Judy, uh, Kate. And so, Brittany, I want (laughs) to say that to you right now.
0: (laughs) put the random white lady Dave in
1: there yeah, right. she's, she's a wonderful middle aged middle aged lesbian yes, I love her
0: we've talked about her
1: <laughs> um, so Brittany that's what I want to say to you right now too you know I think our first impulse often in times of pain is to be like I'm going to emerge from this as a stronger better person right and, like, right now, all you need to be doing is to take care of the self in you that is hurting.
0: Oh, my God. I'm freaking out.
1: <laughs> so, like, if you need to take a week and, like, knock it off the couch and just watch uh, Netflix and eat ice cream, like, that's what you need to do. Right now, you need to do what feels good to take care of that soft part of you that has been so badly crushed by this man.
0: Absolutely. And
1: that is that is what we want you to focus on right now. Not about learning and and becoming a better person but just on taking care of that part of you that is hurting so badly right now.
0: Yes, absolutely. And guess what? The last thing I want to say is that comfort does not come from him. No. Your ego, your your fear, your pain thinks that the only cure is him. Right. But he is the pain. Yep. He you cannot cure the pain with what hurt you. Right. Brittany, we love you so much. We're sending you so much goodness. Uh, We know this is a really hard time, but we are with you across the country. Thank you. We love you. to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict avoiding person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up.
0: That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to Jackets sweaters and hello to shorts and tees i wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune and luckily i found quince now i've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year in the house
1: get warm weather ready with quince go to quince.com just break for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns that's dot com slash just to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash just all right letter number two comes from amalia anonymous
0: amalia writing
1: from wisconsin it's great right hi sam and Sierra. i love listening to your podcast and all the incredible affirmations and that and advice that come with it
0: i love you amalia
1: same my name is amalia (laughs) i'm 22 years old and i'm living in wisconsin i don't have one specific relationship to remark on but rather an annoying string of almost that continually piss me off let me set the scene I am kind, smart, and truly funny as hell. I am also fat. Not like the cute thick with two C's fat, like the kind of thing where the word that makes me that makes most sense to describe me is fat, and I get that. Answer the problem. I have had countless wonderful f- friendships with men who tell me that they would date me if only they were attracted to me. Who says that shit? Men. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I have an incredible connection with someone who tells me how beautiful I am, how I would be the perfect person to be in a relationship with, and that I'm all around perfect. When I told him we should just do the damn thing, he told me he wasn't physically attracted to me. Womp womp. I know physical connection can be an important part of a relationship, but also not asking someone to change is an important part of a relationship too, right? Right. I want good, true love, yes. and I'm so willing to give that to someone. I get that people hate my body, and no one does as much as I do. How can I get past this, and can anyone else ever get past it?
0: Mm, Amalia, what a good, important letter! Absolutely. Um, I can tell that we're uh kindred spirits because I love the way you write mm-hmm. and the way you unpack all of that. Yep. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so first thing that we want to do is go on a rant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yay! Uh, like, what if our show had, like, a Sesame Street, like, it's number time, yeah, but it was time like, for it's the rant. rant time. And then, like, music and glitter. Oh, that
1: would be really good. Yeah. Spencer, <laughs> write us a song.
0: <laughs> Put some glitter noises in here. Right. <laughs> what would a glitter noise be? I
1: have no idea.
0: You know, like... Yeah,
1: like a piano thing. Yeah. Like a... <laughs> okay.
0: Do you remember that one time, that one episode that you tried to make the ba ba yeah,
1: noise and, like, and wah, wah. Wah,
2: wah. <laughs> yeah, you were like, wah-wah-wah-wah?
0: <laughs> like a tired old gay cat.
1: <laughs> if that is not my personality, I don't know what is.
0: <laughs> so funny. Okay. Amalia, Ranting yes, time.
1: ranting time. We live in a fat-phobic society. Absolutely. And it is... Uh, Horrible. And it, it is stupid because there's no reason for us to be fat phobic. There's nothing inherently wrong with fat people, even though society tells them that there is. Being fat is not a personal failing, which society tells us that it is. We live in a society that only values people who are slender and beautiful and uh, white. (laughs) White. Yep. Absolutely. Who are generally uh, cisgendered as well. And also heterosexual. um, Right. And so we didn't want to come into this just telling you like, oh, it'll get better. Love yourself. Because that's bullshit. Because. I mean, we are going to tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Just wait. But we did want to start it by saying like. This society sucks and, and the things that those men are saying to you suck
0: are are they, they don't just suck. They're like subpar. Like, come <laughs> on, bro. Like, get it together. Especially that last dude that's like, oh, my God, you're so perfect. I love you. Like, why would you say all this shit? Yeah. Like, and because here's okay, continuing the rant. Sorry. I like just <laughs> I just spazzed um, the why i ap- i appreciate the word fat phobic is because i think it hits the nerve or the, the nail on the head in terms of that i think our culture truly fears and loathes yeah obe- obesity yep. fat people um people who don't look like brat stalls you but, know what i mean yep. um that we fear and and loathe them because and, and we and Oh God, like I follow Tess Holliday on Instagram Mm -hmm. and um, just some of the shit people say to her. Tess is this plus size supermodel, essentially. I definitely check her out because she's like an awesome uh, model, gorgeous, um, self-described as fat. um, And uh, she like goes to the gym and posts videos of, of her working out and people just go you know trolls not even trolls but like normal fucking that's the kicker for me i'm I'm sorry my rant is going all over (laughs) here but the fucking thing is it's not just trolls right yep it's not just trolls it's 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 normal ass people which like fitness gurus Mm -hmm. that are like oh my god you don't know the full potential of your life right and or like you can't possibly be happy or like you're slowly killing yourself like the true foundation of fat phobia is the anti acknowledgement that you can be happy, healthy, yep. and whole as a person who is over the quote unquote, quote, normal, slim weight, yep. right? Yep. The reality is, don't get me wrong, like the United States has a obesity epidemic mm-hmm. right and I, I even hesitate to say that because like i think that s- our our obsession with th- thinness yeah um and, and not just our obsession but like how we put thinness up on this pedestal yep. might skew th- even some of the science yep. right um we're we're saying th- i just think that um United States particularly, we 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 hold up this this tiny like pedestal of a thin person, but the majority of us out here, us us normal bodied people mm-hmm. who look all different.
1: Right.
0: Um, I don't know, I'm my rant is totally <laughs> all over the place. Amalia, I hope you appreciate the <laughs> bizarre passion. I just it it's it like normal ass people are out there telling Tess Holiday this fucking uh, famous model how unhappy she is and how she's setting a bad example out for people out there yep. when in reality like she's like just a person who is above an average weight and she's happy and beautiful and making other people feel awesome about themselves right. and the fact that like I don't know like slim um model sixty nine is like you're fucking a terrible person I, I cannot handle it <laughs> sorry <laughs> I can't handle it because it just doesn't fucking make any sense. No, and, and it's, it's impossible. The last thing I want to say, my little rant, and then I want you to take control because I have no fucking clue what I'm actually saying because i blacked out like uh-huh. ten minutes ago. Yeah,
1: no, it's great. I, you, uh, you haven't been looking at me for like the past four minutes.
0: I, I have no idea what the tra- You're like, like. Listening, staring
1: off into the middle distance, just listening just
0: like... back to this, I will have no memory of what I said over the past ten minutes, and I know for a fact that I didn't finish like four sentences. <laughs>
1: yeah, but we can connect the dots.
0: The biggest thing I want to say is just like. Like the problem with a fat phobic society is that they fear and loathe people who are quote unquote overweight while projecting only one size, uh, size of a person That you can be Mm -hmm. one appropriate size of a person, right? Not knowing that there's not just like zero to 10 on the size scale. They are so many different sizes and people are different sizes for so many different reasons. Mm -hmm. And um, that you can be healthy and overweight, that you can be unhealthy and overweight. You can be unhealthy and underweight, you know, Uh, like there are so many ways to have a body. And yet we fear and loathe anything other than the one way.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: And rant from me. Don't know if you want to take over. Sorry, Amalia, uh, no, that I didn't make sense. I know you what I was
1: going to say with your, with your I final follow-up. In, I
0: turned into like a goblin. Yeah, <laughs> I, I
1: know. Like, you were like, Sam, okay, you're going to handle the rant. I was glitching. <laughs> I like, was
0: glitching. I like had too many like, thoughts at it. once. I know I like went into seven <laughs> different... Anyway. Okay, Amalia, um... We love you. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, but also what I did wanna say, like it's not just trolls either, right? right. It is also Amalia's friends I and know. people that she is interested in who are telling her this bullshit that they have like had ingrained. Internalized, in them, right? right?
0: Internalized. And so I think that's a great turning point because Amalia, when Sam and I sat down and decided to answer your letter, we decided that we didn't want you to, we didn't want to tell you to just look in the mirror and be like, I'm a fine ass bitch. I love myself because even though we want you to do that, that's inherently what we want you to do. We don't want to put it on your shoulders to change a fat phobic culture. Right. But we are going to ask you to do one scary empowering thing, which is to have higher standards and boundaries and and create bigger boundaries for the how the people around you can treat you. Right. Right? And so, um, yes, we want you to, like, stand naked in front of the mirror and be like, damn, I'm so fine.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> we want everyone to do that. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, and I'll give you a couple of resources at the end of this letter um, that are awesome, like, fat-positive, body-positive uh, role models. And... Until then, though, what Sam and I read in this letter is that these people around you, who you love and trust, or who mm-hmm. you're putting energy into, or who you're being a dope friend to, yep. um, they're they're kind of dropping the fucking ball. Oh, like no, they're they they're kind of being lame,
1: right? No, they are, and they're they're treating you really poorly. And I know that. But and I think part of the reason why you might be um, allowing them to cross those boundaries is because of your own feelings about your own body,
0: right? And you want love and you want acceptance,
1: right? And so, like the idea that they can say to you, "I I think you're so awesome," I think you're so awesome, but you're fat, so I won't date you. Means like the fact that you are okay with them saying that, like, is because you also think that you're undateable because you're fat,
2: right? And that
1: is. That's not on you, right? That is what society continues to teach all of us is that fat people are undateable and unlovable. But but in order to maintain those boundaries, to not let people treat you like shit, you got to know in your heart that you are lovable, that you are worthy of love. You are worth more than some guy saying to you, you're awesome, but I can't date you because you're fat.
0: Right. And how that's going to start happening is if when he says that to you. You say, then I cannot be your friend because I think that's a lame excuse.
1: Right. Could you imagine if someone was like, hey, I'd love to date you, but you're black, so I can't. <laughs> right. Like, right. We would be up in arms because that's an inc- like an incredibly awful and offensive thing to say to a person. Right. And the same holds true for these guys who are probably very nice to you in different ways, but are being... Awful in this very specific way. Like, you don't deserve to have anyone say that to you. Especially
0: somebody who is in your circle. Like, um, and that's what it sounds like. It's not like you're meeting these strangers. It's like you're befriending them. Um, So... I'm sure that we're going to have at least one or two people being like, oh, what about personal preference? But we're not going to acknowledge that in this session. We're Mm -hmm. not going to acknowledge that because the bigger thing to acknowledge and to start unpacking is a fat phobic society. Right. Right. And the training that we're given at a very young age um, to fear and loathe bodies. Right. Um, And so I I don't want to hear anything about preference because it. That just doesn't serve Amalia and it doesn't serve Sam and I's purpose right Mm now. Um, So, Amalia, what I want to say to you is that you're a badass bitch and that you deserve better than these lame responses from people around you who who will take your compliments, who will take your love, who will take your time, but won't return it. Right. Right. And and I'm not even saying that they're bad people. But what I do want to say is I, I want you to practice saying things like. I really love to go on a date with you. If you're not interested in that, I don't want to waste my time with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would really love to be physical and romantic with you. If you're not attracted to me, then I'm going to move on to somebody who will, who is. Yep. And because c- that's the number one thing, Amalia, is that I know people out there find you attractive. Yep. Right. Yep. There are people out there who love all different types of bodies yep. because their minds are open to the possibility <laughs> of what a fucking body can be. Right. Um, but. In the meantime, Sam and I think you're awesome. Sam and I love you. And Sam and I just want you to uh, create stronger boundaries around the ways people can and cannot treat you. Mm -hmm. um, Because you deserve better. You You just deserve better.
1: 100%.
0: And Sam and I are over here next door in Minnesota in your corner. Absolutely. We love you. Thanks for writing. Thank you. All right. This third letter is from Ruby who's writing to us from Georgia. And Ruby writes, Dear Sam and Sierra, first off I wanted to thank y'all for being who you are. It makes me happy to think that there are other people out there who are simultaneously so goofy and so emotionally sharp. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> <laughs> that makes me really smile. I'm 22 year old I'm a 22 year old college student, English majors represent. <laughs> and always listen to your podcast on Mondays when they come out, walking around campus, publicly laughing and crying just me myself and my headphones. It's a great time. <laughs> This may be different than the usual letters you receive because I wanted to zoom out into a more general lens on relationships. I think it's important to include that I grew up in a very religious and conservative household and attended a tiny private school, only seven others in my grade, until high school. Though this household was full of love, I didn't know at all who I was, nor did I realize I had the agency to design that design that for me for me personally. I existed and acted for others, for what I thought they wanted and expected of me. Through high school, I remember telling myself that it wasn't, quote, interesting or, quote, for me to openly share myself with others. I began isolating my identity, never really saying, acting, or portraying myself in a way that felt authentic. I was keeping myself hidden by misrepresenting myself around others, if that makes sense, never sharing my opinions or feelings, never talking out in class, lying often, hiding my passions, hiding my problems. When I went to college, I really had no idea who I was, and these tendencies to hide myself did not dissolve like I hoped they would. Rather than moving closer towards self-discovery, I cowered into really destructive habits, where my social anxiety and eating disorder peaked, and I experienced depression like I never had before. I transferred colleges after freshman year, thinking my issues would go away, but they didn't, and they haven't, and I'm starting to feel so overwhelmed. For a while, I didn't recognize these behaviors as what they were, but now I have. I expected the patterns to be easier to break. I have made progress, hence having the guts to write this letter, and have finally found a therapist who I feel I can slowly but surely connect with. But I'm having such a hard time being vulnerable. I guess my question or questions boil down to this. How do I come to terms with all of this? How do I learn to love and accept myself enough to share that with others? To be seen, really seen for who I am rather than what I think people want from me. It's been a slow process and though I'm thankful for the growth, I'm still struggling and lonely and confused and hard on myself. I'm still learning what it means to act on desire rather than fear, to define and validate myself for myself rather than depending on the others to do that for me. I just love any advice or personal stories you may have on how you learned to do that for yourself. Thanks. And with love, Ruby. Mm. Ruby, we love you. <laughs> we love you. I'm going to start with that instead yeah, of ending no,
1: absolutely, it. absolutely. We do.
0: <clears throat> um, Yeah. Sam, you want to kick it off?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um I just want to say Ruby that I very much relate to this letter. And um let me tell you why. When I uh, You're
0: an old gay cat. We yeah, get right, it. Right.
1: Uh when I went to college, I also thought that it was going to be the start of my new life me, as me. like mm-hmm. yep, as the person who knew exactly who he was, uh the person that could be out. As well, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I was out a bit in high school, but like I I was like, I'm meeting all new people and I can start with the fact that I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that it was going to be a time to meet new friends, to like make those connections that are going to last a lifetime. Um, and that didn't happen. Right. And it, my freshman year of college was the worst year besides maybe this one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Touche.
1: Uh,
0: and it's only April. Right.
1: Uh, Was the worst year of my life. And I felt so many of the same things that you were feeling, that I had no idea who I was or what I wanted to do, that I was doing everything wrong, that I was making decisions only out of a place of fear. Um, And I, like, was starting to have panic attacks every night. I was very, very depressed. Um, And... You know, went home for winter break and like had a breakdown and was just like such a mess that that I thought about not even going back to school. Um, And what happened after that was that once I got the help that I needed from a a therapist, once I got myself on antidepressants, um, I still felt listless. I still felt like I didn't have an identity that I could move into. But by just getting up every day and going to class, uh, starting a job at a coffee shop, the coffee shop where I'm at Sierra, um, engaging in things that I was interested in, like like going to concerts with friends or going to, to dance nights. Like I started to create an identity for myself because I was able to start putting myself out there and honestly just getting up every single day and doing the things that were expected of me because that's... The only way that I knew how to do it, but also finding things within those expectations that I felt were mine. And so it was going to work every day because I needed to pay my bills, like, working at that coffee shop, but also finding music on that coffee shop podcast or iPod that we had totally that I really liked that I would play when I was closing by myself. And then that led me to, to liking other types of music and going to concerts and like finding friends who are interested in the same type of music. And so I, I don't want you to be discouraged that in this moment you don't know what you're doing right? because honestly, most of us don't know what we're doing in any right. given moment. But I do want to say that there are that getting up and, and, and just living sometimes brings us to the things that we're looking for
0: absolutely Um, I think that's a great personal anecdote and I'll share a little bit of mine Um, what I relate to you from your story Ruby is this chameleon-ness that Mm -hmm. you're doing to hide your true self because you think that um, if you present what you think people want of you Mm -hmm. then you are making the world easier for them Mm -hmm. like you are doing you are doing them a favor by hiding your true self right Um, or like you would rather agree with everyone in the room than to disagree because you think that is a gift that you're giving them. And I want to just say that like no one is benefiting from you hiding yourself. Mm -hmm. I did that for years for so many for so many years. I really created an identity around the people who loved me um, no matter how well or poorly (laughs) they loved me. Um, And then I realized that it, it wasn't just like that I didn't have a strong sense of self. It's that I didn't give myself the same weight as i gave strangers in the room mm. the accommodation that i was doing for strangers yep you know just classmates people i didn't really care about yep. or friends even like the accommodation I was doing for them was nowhere near the care I was giving myself. Right, right? than actually saying, "Well, no, I disagree with that," or mm-hmm. "No, I'd like to do this," or or anything. And that folding of yourself or the chameleoning of yourself is something you do for the good of other people that is wildly unnecessary. Yep, you learn to do that when you were young for whatever reason. Yeah. But it is it is an unnecessary folding. You will yes. find when you start living your more authentic, messy, real life. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, you're doing it right now. <laughs> you are. <laughs> right. Um, but when you feel like you are presenting more of a truthful version of yourself, you will realize how little purpose you chameleoning yourself or hiding yourself has served the world. It yep. it it makes little difference, truly. Right. How, uh, and and that's what I related to is that I I think I had to really have a true come to Jesus moment to be like, why am I doing, why am I changing myself for other people that I don't care about and be, I'm changing (laughs) myself or lying or hiding myself in such tiny ways that they would love me regardless, or they would accept me regardless. Or even if they disagreed with me, it's like conflict is not the end of the world and I'm not saving on anyone, anything. Yep by doing this small um, like uh, chameleon, chameleoning of myself.
1: Yep. And it's, you know, authentic relationships with people are are made off of the vulnerability of showing who you are. Right. I think especially in like high school and college, we often surround ourselves with with people who we get along with on a very surface level uh, because like we just sort of want. We want people around us, right? Mm-hmm, we want like the mm-hmm, warm bodies mm-hmm. to like to be part of a group and to feel like we belong. Um but the thing is is that relationships that that last, relationships that that honor our authenticity and honor our vulnerability are th- the most important ones, right? They're the ones that you're gonna get uh the the actual um lifelong support mm-hmm. from. Like Sierra and I were we're like surface friends. We we're totally
0: surface <laughs> friends,
1: right. And that's because that's the way that I operated when I was in that space was totally. like surface friends, like, oh, let's get drunk together and yeah. like, let's let's hit up this party or whatever it looks like. But it wasn't until Sierra and I had an open and vulnerable conversation about shit that we were going through and ourselves that we were able to, like, create this bond that now, 10, Ten years, years later, later, we're is sitting like, in a room <laughs> right, is still going talking on. Talking to strangers.
0: Um, our dream. <laughs> yeah,
1: <right? laughs> and I know that it is hard. And frankly, people might reject you for it. Right. Like people don't like when people are... A little too loud, or a little too real, uh, real, or, or like right, or a little too authentic, especially, especially, especially when we're like twenty-two. Yeah, <laughs> like totally. That's when it's like, oh, I just want to like get along.
0: Ever right?
1: But <laughs> but what's great about this is that like this is the opportunity to learn how to build those skills. Totally right. Like this is you're the also time. very
0: young, and, I, and we, again, we love young people. No, absolutely. Um, so that's not. Like a dig or anything, but you have so much time. Absolutely. To, and, and girl, I am 32. I'm 10 years older than you. I am a 100% different person than I am when I was 22. Yep. And I did, over the past 10 years, I've been tiny. T- slowly carving out my personality Mm -hmm. with small actions or things that happen to me or people around me. And then I scrap my entire personality (laughs) and rebuild it because I like went through a traumatic breakup or something. (laughs) You know, but
1: that's true. Like we're all, we are
0: in a constant state of becoming.
1: Absolutely. We're all figuring ourselves out all of the time. And like, now is the perfect opportunity for you to get started on that journey. Right. Yeah. Like, So that in 10 years, you will, like, be able to do this so much more easily than you can do it right now. It totally does
0: get easier, too. And I, like,
1: I still have times when I chameleon myself, too. Yes, me too. When there will be situations where I'm around people I don't know and I'm, like, I'm just going to shut myself down so that I can be the person that engages with all of them and, like, tells the funny joke and, like, gets people to Mm -hmm. like me. Mm -hmm. But that's not... Those aren't the most important and times. I, like those I aren't the things say, that bring me joy.
0: Yeah, and I want to say too, like may, the last note that I want to touch on is like that's okay. I think the mm-hmm. first step is is to acknowledge like you are not broken or less than because you do this folding right right everyone does some sort of code switching in one way or another yep. everyone um, puts their identity behind them even like even the ones that seem so identity forward have dealt with who am I what yep. am I doing and you just seem to struggle with it a little bit more or feel it more in your core of this constant folding of yourself and and I'm here to say and Sam's here to say like it's okay that is okay yep. that it's okay you have so much beautiful time ahead of you and it's okay to do this and you can find yourself in this act too Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna share a quote from brene brown yay (laughs) (laughs) um brene brown in her book daring greatly which is the book i bought sam (laughs) yes with your wonderful Patreon money. Thank you, patrons. Um, the quote is, because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance.
1: Ooh. So she says. Ooh, chills.
0: I know. Basically, <laughs> true. She, she talks a lot about this idea of belonging, that we want so badly to belong somewhere, yep. but that the true belonging is to ourselves. Right. You, Ruby, belong to yourself, right? You don't belong to anyone else or their opinions or what they need from you. You belong to yourself. But that sense of belonging can only flourish when you present your true, messy, sloppy, like I am a human, just like everyone else, self. But- Renee writes that this sense of belonging can never be greater than than your self-acceptance. So, again, going back to forgiving yourself for all of this folding that you've done, understanding that it is what it is and it's over and there's no moving back. There's nothing lost or gained. There's only now. Yep. And your belonging, you belong to yourself and that belonging to a larger community, to the world around you, to your own authenticity can only grow as you accept yourself and your journey.
1: Absolutely. And you are you are at the beginning of this. Mm -hmm. And that means that it's going to be a lot of hard work. It's going to be a lot of. Joy, it's going to be a lot of pain, but it's how exciting is it to be at the start of this journey of Absolutely. understanding yourself? Like Absolutely. you have nothing but limitless possibilities of who you are and who you want to become right now. So we're here for you. We are at that starting line with you. We are ready to like shove you forward as hard as you need to, to get started. But like, I just this tied is the your shoelaces together. <laughs> <laughs> just to make it extra tricky for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. We love you, Ruby. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you.
1: All right. Our last letter comes from Conflicted and Anxious. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Been there.
0: 2019. (laughs) (laughs) The year is writing us.
1: Uh, And she is writing from Pennsylvania. My fiance and I have about 11 months until we are getting married. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary. We moved in together six months into dating, and at first it was bliss. After a little bit, I started noticing that when he would drink, he would get very emotional and accuse me of cheating, although I never have and have never lied. One night, after getting kicked out of a bar, he came home and came close to killing himself. It was a high emotion stress moment where I didn't know if he would kill himself with a gun or kill us both. Mm. I was pleading to him to let me call crisis. He took away my phone. He told me to go to bed and everything would be better in the morning. I pleaded for him to... For hours to let me have my phone and got creative with how to get the gun out of his hands. I eventually pretended to set my alarm the next day and texted my mom to call the police to my house. After this incident, the drinking and accusing continued, but not another suicide attempt. He got into a shooting at work as he is a police officer and he had to take the perp's life. He became very depressed and drank all the time. He would go out with friends and not tell me when he would be home and would get back at 2 a.m., 5 a.m., etc. I asked him to respect me and my time and not do these things. He insisted drinking wasn't a problem and he could stop whenever he wanted. I questioned why he hasn't stopped yet, since it affects me so much. He stopped for a month or so and then started back up again. It's not drinking all the time, but binge drinking, and his actions when he does so tear me apart. After the shooting, unbeknownst to me, he took 30 oxycodone that he never used from a previous metal condition over the course of two weeks to sleep at night. I gave him resources like melatonin, counseling, yoga, meditation, but I guess only the oxy worked. When I found out, I was furious. A month ago, he told me he was going to bed when I was on night shift. I came home that morning and he wasn't there. His gun was gone, the car was gone, and I started panicking. Mm. I called everyone he knew and all of his friends. His friends went to go look for him as well as his mom. I was dri- out driving in the snow looking for him to no avail, and I really started panicking that he took his life. A few hours after, later after contacting the police, he asked me to say... That he was at his friend's house and fell asleep. The problem was that this friend was out looking for him at this time. He then changed his story to say that he was at another friend's house. I didn't care anymore at that point and just told him to come home. He was mad at me for calling so many people about him, but what else was I to do? There were so many times that I look back that I should have called this off, and I didn't. It doesn't seem right for me to call off the wedding when everything is currently okay. Do I wait until another incident happens? I know he will just say I'm using his drinking as an excuse to run away, to be with someone else, as he has always accused me of. He has talked about trust and how he has lied to me, and he doubts me all the time, even though I have never lied to him. Even though he lied to me, I still have trust in him. That only day that I can say that I had a happy engagement was the day we were engaged. Mm. The rest has been stressful and horrible. I have vivid dreams of leaving him at the altar or not walking down at the last minute. We have everything planned and started paying for the venue and hefty installments. I basically dedicated my whole life to this relationship, but he isn't happy. I'm not happy. And it seems like neither of us can admit it. I am most afraid that, I, that if I leave, he will definitely kill himself. I would never live with that guilt. I don't know what to do, especially since I graduate college in two months and need to get a job in place ASAP. I am seeing a counselor, which has really helped. I have differing opinions on this. If... Or I have different differing opinions on if this is a stable relationship, and would really appreciate yours. Thank you.
0: Oh, sweetheart, I'm so glad you wrote to us. Thank you so much for your honesty. Yeah. Um, and I'm just gonna get right to it. And I uh, cannot stress this enough. I cannot be more sober in what I'm about to tell you, which is that um, this relationship will not succeed unless the following and then some happen. Mm -hmm. Number one, um, your partner uh, needs sobriety. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just for six months, even if it's for a year, um, there is no world in which that sort of binge drinking, threats, actions, falsehoods, is a fertile ground for your marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, I think that it has proven itself to be an incredibly traumatic experience for you when your partner drinks. Mm -hmm. And I know that you wrote that he swears that it's not the drinking, but it is a hundred percent clear to me and Sam that if this relationship is to work at all, Mm -hmm. sobriety is wildly necessary. I would even say for like, fuck the relationship. If this person wants to, to heal, if this person wants to not be a volatile, destructive thing, yep. to not hurt, um, to not hurt himself and others, sobriety is the first thing that has to happen. Yep, yep. and um, to to di- like to wish that upon someone, to command that upon someone, that is a very scary thing to do. But I, there's no. I have so much compassion in my heart for you, um, but I, there is no like back and forth for me on mm-hmm. that. I think sobriety is the w- number one thing yep. um, because of all that he's been through be- from his own work trauma, um, anything else in his life that's leading him to act like this. Uh, yeah. Another thing is in, in tandem with sobriety is he obviously needs to go to therapy. He needs counseling 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what the sort of like work um, etiquette is for police force and um, uh, an on-job shooting like that. Um, And I cannot imagine how traumatizing it is for not only your husband, um, but community members as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, And we cannot get through these things without the support... Of the world around us. Mm-hmm. And on our own, when we're hurting, we reach for things like alcohol and drugs yep. um, to smother the pain. But we, what what he needs to reach for right now is a therapist, mm-hmm. is mental health practitioner, somebody who has studied this type of thing. And he needs to reach inside himself to find the survivor in him. Yep. Right. Because right now he's drowning in pain. And and um, I just... These are two things... At this point, anonymous, I'm going to call you anonymous. At this point, I don't know if you want to be in this relationship. And between you and I, I don't think you should be in it. And I'll unpack that in a second.
1: Yes. Um,
0: But really quickly, Sam, um, if you wanted to stay, sobriety and therapy are a must, a demand, Mm. right? Like you need to be sober or I'm not marrying you. That is the statement that unfortunately has to come out of your your mouth and I know that's really difficult I know what I'm asking of you yep. is a lot what I'm asking of what you would be demanding of your relationship and your partner is a lot yep. especially for someone who seems like all he does is run from th- discomfort mm-hmm. um, but that's that's what has to happen in this situation um, and you need to acknowledge the extreme trauma mm-hmm. of the suicide threat the night that night yep and the after right the unfolding of that it is traumatic yep. to have someone threaten suicide like that it is traumatic to have someone have a gun in the household while they're drunk
1: yep <clears throat> and that's I think that that I agree with Sierra that if you want to stay those are the the um, the necessary requirements that you have to hold him to because he he's not going to want to get sober and he's not going to want to get help like Period. hands down right um, people who are hurting that badly don't see a world outside of that hurt. Right. And they can't, they can't see that there are things that could help them get out of that hurt. Right. Um, but it needs to be a hard and fast. But secondly, I would even go so far as to say, like, you are unsafe in that house right now. I totally you are agree. unsafe if he's, if he is drunk and has a gun. And if you think that, and you are scared that he's going to kill himself and you, that is not a place where you can be and you can be safe and I'm I'm concerned for you and for your yeah. safety and um I want to respect your decision and whatever that you want to do but I would strongly say to you that you should not be in that space with him until he can figure that out
2: yes
0: I totally agree especially because <clears throat> of your your note at the end of the letter that says like things are good right now but and so you know just because maybe you've M- met a plateau or there was a couple sober nights or mm-hmm. or there's a two weeks where he was good. Um I want to say to you and everyone out there a good day doesn't make up for a bad relationship.
1: Yep. A yeah. good
0: day doesn't make up for the fact that you fall asleep feeling unsafe and dream of leaving. Yep. Your subconscious is running.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I would say even though he has never hurt you physically, um like, this is a relationship that is has a very high amount of abuse in it. And it Correct. is emotional abuse and it is physical threats as well. Right. Um, and so there are resources out there for, for people who are in uh, relationships with, with intimate partner violence um, that I would encourage you to call. And I would also say never feel bad about enlisting help when someone threatens to commit suicide. And I frankly he should have been institutionalized after he disappeared the last time. Like, yeah. um, And I'm not I'm not blaming you for, for not telling them that that's what he was doing, because I, <laughs> let me tell you, been in that place, like know how hard it is to like have someone threaten to commit suicide and then have to like figure out how to institutionalize them. Right. Like it's not a fun place to be, but he is, um, he's a threat to himself and he's a threat to you. And that's right. what's really, really scary about this letter for me. And that's why here and I are feeling so sobered by this because we are so concerned for him because he needs a significant amount of help that you are not equipped to give him and for you because you are in a situation that could easily turn deadly right like honestly deadly I'm just gonna say that like it could turn deadly
0: right um and anonymous I want to point out one thing really quickly is that's so difficult especially when we're talking about suicidal threats um and uh alcohol and um and romantic relationships anonymous i have been in a relationship with somebody who did the exact same thing um save the gun in the house because We were separated at the time, so it was on the phone all night with this drunk person threatening Mm. to hurt themselves. And also, and and you didn't say this in your letter, but I'm confident he was speaking nastily to you, Mm. right? I'm confident that he point some of this blame and hurt towards you, right? Yep. And so I know what an incredibly painful emotional labor it is to keep somebody alive while they're threatening to take their life yep. um, and feeling also like they're hurting you verbally, potentially physically, that yep. you feel unsafe, but you feel like if you leave, if you leave, you are the pin in the grenade, right? Yep. Um, and I just want to say that is that might feel like a 100% the real truth but it is not you are not responsible for this man's life yep you are responsible for living your life yep. for cultivating your safety your peace your happiness your love and all you can do right now is is find help and support as ethically and safely and swiftly as possible. Yep. There are resources out there, like Sam said. Um, I would even make sure that your friends and family are are aware of what's going on and aware of your plan yep. to demand more or leave. Absolutely. And to be clear, I just want to say that Sam and I think that you should be out of that house at like doesn't matter if you want to keep on working on the relationship but I do not think you should live together
2: yeah um,
0: because he is putting you into a threat of physical violence yep and and I just also want to say I'm sorry I'm just I just got overwhelmed with anger that this is not it comes back to masculinity for me yeah um this is I, I'm sorry I'm getting angry because I'm thinking about the time in that one relationship where that person would constantly leave or cut me off or 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 threat give me threats of violence towards himself or like and it was it, it all came down to his inability to process his emotions and how he had been taught as a man yep. how to experience these feelings and i just want to say out there if you are in a relationship and where someone like gets angry and disappears or gets blackout drunk and th- threatens violence like not just repeatedly but like more than a couple times a year or ever like <laughs> yes. that's not normal i have yeah. never in my life threatened somebody with with my own violence like that or
2: never.
0: or threatened to hurt them never in my life have i g- gone away like that like nope. and and i'm not even shaming people who deal with extreme uh you know mental health or suicidal ideations that's not what I meant to say it's just I think I'm feeling like a, a rush of anger towards masculinity and 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 how confining it is and and how it oh so often comes out in violence
1: yep absolutely
0: sorry for that little tangent I just like <laughs> I had this flood of anger in me of just like this isn't normal this isn't normal and this is a product of of teaching little boys how to to just suck it up and be a man yep you know um, and and Anonymous, you don't deserve this. This is not what a healthy home looks like. And if you marry this man, this is the home you're building.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Unless you
0: rip out the foundation right. and demand a different, better from him. Yep. This is the home you're building.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And I think... Um I think right now you might be feeling like that pain in the grenade, like you're the only thing that's keeping it from exploding at this point. But what I'm telling you right now is that the grenade is live and all you're doing is throwing your body on it in the hope that it doesn't explode.
0: Yes. Yes. Right. It is not
1: your fault if it explodes. Let me
0: speak a little softly. (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm anonymous. I'm not obviously angry at you. And I and I just feel for you so much about how. What a hard! I know what your heart is doing. I know how hard your heart is working. Yeah, I get emotional because <laughs> it's so scary, and it and is. so often people and love like women get put in this position. Men partners get put in this position where they feel like they're damned if they do, and they and they're damned if they don't. And yep. it, and and this is how domestic violence happens. This is how suicide happens. You know, like yep, ugh. yep. Anonymous, we feel for you so much. We just we wanted to answer this question because we want you to be safe. And it's very obvious to us that you're not safe.
1: Yep. So I think you need to look up some resources about exiting a situation that is unsafe. Right. Um, you need to talk to your friends and family about what you are doing, what you're going through, what your plan is so and it's that they okay can help to keep to you safe. it's call off the marriage. It is. Oh, yeah. We didn't even that, talk I know, about that. I know. That's what I need to go
0: back to. <laughs> oh, my God. Divorce and marriage shame <clears throat> or, like, engagement shame. Get the fuck out of there. No, absolutely. Like, you're unhappy. You don't want to marry this person. The
1: plans that you've made and the money that you have spent on this mean wedding nothing. mean nothing in comparison to you and your, your safety.
0: Absolutely.
1: It, they mean nothing. So put that out of your mind. It doesn't matter what people think of you for calling it off. It doesn't matter that you're down the $1,500 on the deposit, whatever. It doesn't matter if you... The only thing that matters right now is that you are safe and that you are in a place where you can be happy and healthy and whole. And he... Because where's is,
0: your happiness, too? Right,
1: right. You were only happy the day you got engaged. Yeah. Like that... If we read that and it just like was like a knife in the heart because it was just so... You could just feel that sadness so palpably. Yeah. And it's just... We hope that you we hope that you don't take walk away from this thinking that we are mad at you or that we are shaming you in any way. We get it. We have both been in similar situations with people who we love very much. Right. And it's a it is unfathomably hard to be in that position. But we just want the reason that we're talking so sternly is because we are just so concerned about you and your We're safety. so
0: convinced that th- that that you deserve happiness yep. and that this isn't it. Yep. This isn't what this is not what love feels like. Right. We love you, Anonymous.
1: Thank you so much for writing. All right. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, let's take that off. <laughs> like, let's that's a, some, that's the let's first time shaking. that I like <laughs> broke into tears. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm also ovulating.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all right. I cried during my yoga today, so <laughs> ooh, yeah, tears are very close to the surface recently. It's oh, fine. that's
0: I, I love that saying. Actually, like when I when I feel like tears are easy.
1: Yeah, they just like come and I'm like, okay, here we go.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's happening.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, So every episode we shout out something that we want to send you home with. We call it our blind date segment. Uh, This time or today we want to send you home with.
0: Uh, This is a shout out specifically to Amalia from Letter Two, but also to everyone in the world. I want you to check out Sonia Renee Taylor, who is the founder and CEO of The Body Is Not an Apology. Mm -hmm. Um, Sonia Renee Taylor is a spoken word poet, activist, author, um, and she has written several books uh, that are all amazing. And she runs this organization called the body is not an apology. um, And it's all about radical self-love, radical Mm. self-acceptance. And uh, she is a a self-described fat femme, black woman, uh, queer. Mm -hmm. And she, is created this entire like body positive movement, but it's not just about body body positiveness. Um, it, it's all about rejecting ableism, mm. um, ageism, sexism, racism, um, all of these things that all of these forms of oppression that have taught us to hate ourselves, yep. to t- who have taught us to apologize for ourselves and our bodies. Right. Um, and, uh, it's just been a really powerful movement to watch build. I, I met Sonia through the poetry community years ago and, and she started it and it, and it, beca- it, it blew up online. Um, and then she's published a book. So you can also buy a book called the body is not an apology, Great. but I would say, start out just following um, the body is not an apology on Instagram. I'll link it in our show notes. Um, it's a really amazing place um, for radical self acceptance and, and, You know, oftentimes hearkening back to our second letter, like the radical acceptance starts at radically rejecting Mm -hmm. the systems of oppression that have taught us to hate ourselves. So going to Sonia's page and the body is not an apology website, like they are a radical organization. They are anti-racism, anti-homophobia, anti-ableism. Like she writes, she does so much great coverage on um ableism and uh, uh, different um, bodied communities. And mm-hmm. I just think uh, she's changing the world. Um, so check her out. Uh, the Body is Not an Apology by Sonya Renee Taylor.
1: I love it. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod.
0: You can also slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Woo uh,
1: Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five star rating and review. Also, uh, you can consider... Supporting us on Patreon. So if you give us $5 a month on Patreon, you get an additional weekly episode. So that's $5 a month for an additional weekly episode at patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This really helps us keep the lights on and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two strangers giving them relationship advice.
0: Original music, recording, editing, producing, and... Yeah, that's it. Ah! All by our friend... (laughs) says so much. <laughs> he
1: does. All
0: of that and more by our friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, the What If podcast. And remember, you can make someone feel better. You can give them a compliment. You can help them through their day, but they are the ones that have to walk that journey. You cannot fix it. You cannot walk it for them. You can only support them if And only if you are supported by yourself, it's okay to protect your peace. It's okay to find your peace outside of them and it's okay to leave. So if all else fails,
1: just break up.